Do you ever find yourself looking at someone who has been doing the same ministry in the church for a number of years, year after year, and ask yourself, how in the world can they do that? What keeps them going for all that time? Or on the other hand, maybe you have found for yourself that trying to find your place in the ministry of the church has been at times discouraging, exhausting. Where do I fit? What am I to do? You may be even one of those that have, as some church members have found, themselves in the following position, which happens too often. A person accepts Christ wants to serve their new master to the best of their ability. And so they accept whatever a more mature believer asks them to do. And while their mentor and, or church leader has nothing but their best in mind, they find themselves getting tired and discouraged. As time goes on, they may even begin to question what is wrong with their young faith, Why don't they have the passion? Why don't they have the zeal that others seem to have? You see, there's a question that must be asked, a question that will address each of these issues because Scripture addresses these things and a correct understanding of several passages will help us answer this question. You see, the question is this. With a mission as important as that of the church, are we to believe that Jesus Christ left that work in the hands of believers without giving them the tools necessary to accomplish that work? The answer is, of course not. So turn with me to one of Pauline, the Pauline letters that addresses this issue, the question that Paul addresses with the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you are Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you are led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Would you bow with me in prayer as we go into this passage this morning? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I would pray that in the coming moments we would find clarity, that we would find encouragement. Father, as we look at your word and the fact that you have given an amazing 
tool to the church. Help us to, to understand that it is the work of the Holy Spirit working through us for your glory. Father, as a body called together, we rely on one another. And Father, we need each one doing the job that you have given them to do to propel the church forward. And so, Father, I would ask that these next few moments would speak to the hearts of those that may be discouraged in trying to find their spot, to those that are not sure where they fit. And Father, may it be a confirmation uh, for those that are saying, you know, I've been doing this for so many years. Maybe it's time to let somebody else do it. It may just be that that's exactly where you need them to be, even at this time. And so, Father, I would pray that you would use our time together. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're continuing the study of the broken church, and we find much to liken ourselves to as we come to that next subject, the subject that we often refer to as a spiritual gift. As we reach 1 Corinthians 12, we see Paul addressing another of the various questions that we've been going through for several weeks now. Now remember, he has already addressed the real problem of this church in chapters 1 through 6. And as we get to chapter 7, we see that he begins to address the questions that it appears that they had written asking him to answer. And those are introduced to us with the word now. And so in 1 Corinthians 7, it appears that the list of questions begins with a question about marriage, and Paul brings the discussion back to ministry and mission in the church. Then in 1 Corinthians 8, they've come up with a second question about food offered to idols, and Paul brings the discussion back to ministry and mission. In 1 Corinthians 11, it seems that there is a third question there about tradition versus a new covenant. And Paul, once again, brings the discussion back to our mission as the church. Then we come to our issue today, and the next question gets a little more complicated because there are several uses of the word now scattered over this prolonged passage. But the question before us today revolves around a concept encapsulated in a Greek word. And it's a word that you're probably going, I have no idea what that word is. But it's a word that is a very intriguing one. It's the word pneumaticon. And it basically relates to the realm of the spirit or spiritual things. So the discussion begins in chapter 12 with this word, now, I do not want you to be ignorant about pneumaticon. This discussion begins in chapter 12, but what is interesting about this particular question is it is prolonged as far as the answer. If we look at that, it appears that the subject of pneumaticon goes all the way through the end of chapter 14. And then he goes on in chapter 15 and begins pulling everything together as he comes to the conclusion of his letter. But if that is true, 
If the church of Corinth seemed to be asking a question about the use of spiritual gifts, and Paul answers that question over the course of three chapters, as opposed to the shorter answers that he comes up with to some of the other questions, if that is true, chapter 13 is right in the very middle of the discussion of this gift. And I think that's important. You see, love is not a different subject. And so we look at chapter 12, then we say, okay, that's the end of that. Now let's go on to chapter 13 and the discussion of love there. Then we go into 14 and we go back to the same subject again in many ways. You see, love is at the very core of the subject of spiritual gifts. We must keep that in mind moving forward. As we come to this passage, don't get to the end of chapter 12 and say, okay, now we're starting something new. It's only a part of this amazing subject. Now, let me say something as I get into this discussion. Um, I am nowhere near being a Greek scholar. I took two years of Greek in college, came out without being able to read it, without being able to speak it, uh, but with a very firm conviction that I don't have the gift of this particular tongue. As a matter of fact, I struggle with Spanish, German, Hebrew, uh, any of those, and so I can say with authority, my spiritual gift is not tongues. Now, if you want to know what I mean by that, come and see me after the service, and I'll try to explain. Uh, but one thing I can say is that I can get by, to some extent, with a study of Greek, and more importantly than that, I can use some of the wonderful resources that we have available today. But I think more than that, over a study that spans more than 40 years on the subject of the spiritual gifts, I can say with one very firm conviction, I have as much to learn about the spiritual gifts as when I started. This is a subject that is a lifelong subject. And for those of us that have been involved in the church for years, or for someone just starting out, we are all attempting to say, where does God want me to be? What am I to be doing? So it remains a passion for me, and I'm glad that Brad was willing to give me the opportunity of sharing some of that passion with you. So having said that, let's begin. Something that concerns me deeply is this, if I were to ask you to raise your hand this morning, I'm not going to do that, and please don't raise your hand, but if I were to ask you to do so, if you know what your spiritual gift is, I wonder what the result would be in this gathering today. I'm afraid that even at a great church like Faith Bible, it would still be less than it should be, and even fewer that could name their gift with authority. And I believe part of the reason for that, part of the problem, rests in the fact that there has been so much debate, so much dissension within the church over this subject. I think part of it also revolves around a lack of understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit within the believer. We have God himself indwelling us. Man, that should make a difference in the way we function in the church. You see, we have been willing to diminish the work of the third person of the Trinity because of the way in which this particular discussion has been kidnapped by certain unfortunate teachings. 
But maybe even more seriously than that, there seems to be a lack of desire by some to figure out where we fit in the church, how to truly move into a more integral part of church life. We seem to be willing to stand on the sidelines rather than get into the game. For those and other reasons, I pray this morning we'll light a fire to understand this essential area more deeply. So, let's begin with verse 1. Verse 1 begins by saying, Now concerning spiritual matters, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You say, wait a minute, that's not what my translation says. My translation says what I've heard over and over and over again, now concerning spiritual gifts. What do you mean spiritual matters? You see, this passion or this passage is very unique because Paul simply uses an adjective, pneumaticon, and he doesn't put a noun behind it. And so we get to this passage, and the word gift that is usually translated here is brought from later in the passage because we have to add to the adjective pneumaticon, spiritual or spiritual things. So it begins with the idea, now concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You see, this is a very important thing to understand as we move into chapter 12, because the phrase, now concerning spiritual gifts, is not wrong, And it's one that has been largely accepted for a long period of time as a way that this passage should be translated because we have to put a noun there. And that noun very much relates to the rest of the passage and that noun being gifts. But to understand the spiritual gifts, Paul begins by saying that we must discuss the whole topic of the realm in which the Holy Spirit operates within the believer. And what is really interesting about that is how verses 2 and 3 relate to that larger discussion then. You see, if we take those two verses and, and we pull them out and say, okay, what do they have to do with a study of the spiritual gifts? We begin saying we don't know what it's there for. But Paul has a very precise, specific purpose in mind as he goes into this study by beginning not with explaining the spiritual gifts, but explaining the spiritual life, the realm of the Spirit, the things that should be true in the life of the believer if the Holy Spirit is indwelling that life. And so he begins by saying, now, concerning the subject of the work of the Holy Spirit within the believer, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then he goes on very quickly and follows up that idea with the words, the idea, as pagans you were led astray by simple, dumb idols, but you must understand that the Holy Spirit working in the life of the believer will change things. That work will result in a person saying, Jesus is Lord. That work will result in a person not being able to say anything against the name of Jesus Christ. 
will keep that person from blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ. You see, a discussion of the way in which the Holy Spirit works within the local assembly of believers must address the authority of those who are leading. And so Paul begins by saying, as we come to the spiritual gifts, as we look at these things given to the church, let's step back and let's ask ourselves, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the life of individual members? Because of the importance of understanding the work of the Holy Spirit within the church prior to discussing the way in which the Holy Spirit will work through a specific believer to accomplish that work, he adds those two verses. And we can't forget those. They are essential to this area. And they're essential to the spiritual gifts. You see, if a person is struggling with some form of idolatry in their life, if those idols are causing a believer to be led astray, if a person cannot affirm that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, they are not prepared for leadership in the church. And by the same token, if they are willing to say, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, He is Lord of my life, even when I fail, even when I fall then they are in a position to use their gifts, those special endowments of the Holy Spirit that each believer has who meets those criteria and as a result has a special ministry within the church that only they are prepared to fully embrace. Each believer then has something that the Holy Spirit has given them to do that is your unique ministry. So the question that I have to ask as we begin then is this, do you truly see Jesus as Lord and ourselves as his servants? You see, if that is truly the way we are acting in our uh, relationship to the church, it's going to impact the way that we work within the church. Let me give you a couple of illustrations to see if this helps. D.L. Moody was the most famous evangelist in the world in the late 1800s. People came from around the world to attend his Bible conferences in Northfield, Massachusetts. One year, a large group of pastors from Europe were among the attendees. They were given rooms in the dormitory of the Bible school, and as was the custom in Europe, the men put their shoes outside the door of their room, expecting them to be cleaned and polished by servants during the night. Well, obviously, there were no servants in the American dorm, but as Moody was making his way through the halls, praying for his guests, he saw the shoes and realized what was happening. He mentioned the problem to a few of his students, but none of them offered to help. Without another word, the great evangelist gathered up the shoes, took them back to his own room, where he began to clean and polish each pair. You see, Moody told nobody what he had done, and we would not even know about this except for the fact that a friend interrupted him in the middle of cleaning the shoes, helped him finish the task, and later told the story. You see, despite the praise and fame he received because of God's blessing on his life and ministry, Moody remained a humble man. 
Maybe there's a second illustration that makes the same point in a very different way. Try this one. After resigning his pastorate to go lead another church, a pastor was approached by an endearing older member of the congregation. She wept over the pastor's decision to leave and said, things will never be the same. The minister tried to console her by saying, don't worry, I'm confident you will get a new pastor who is better than me. She continued to sob and replied, that's what the last three pastors have said, but they just keep getting worse. (laughs) How do you respond to someone praising you for your work in the church? How would you respond to being there when the shoes were left outside? What would you say if somebody said they just keep getting worse. If we can truly say that it is not about us, but Christ, we are ready for the Holy Spirit to do a great work through us. The gifts are a work of God within our lives, not something we can accomplish on our own. So we come to verse 4. We have run into this very important word already that is found here, the word pneumaticon, but Lo and behold, this is a word that has occurred several times already in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is not the first time we run into this word. You see, the word pneumaticon is used in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 13 and 15. It's used in chapter 3, verse 1. It's used in chapter 9, verse 11. It's used in chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 as well as in Romans that we're going to look at in just a moment, chapter 7, verse 14, and chapter 15, verse 27, and not a single time in any of those places would we add the word gift behind this word. The reason is because they usually have the noun with them. But yet here, Paul begins this discussion with a very broad idea of pneumaticon. But then we come to verse 4, and something really fascinating happens, and I have just come to understand this over the past few years, even after studies of spiritual gifts for most of my life. I have come to understand, since I've attended Faith Bible and taken a group through the study of the spiritual gifts led by Chip Ingram, the same study that we're going through right now, when we get to verses four through six, something fascinating happens. In those verses, we have a selection of three words used in a very special way, and here we do find a word for gift. And it is not the word often translated spiritual gifts in verse one. Look with me at verses four through six. It begins, now there are varieties. Keep that word in mind because it appears three times. Now there are varieties of gifts, not pneumaticon. Here is that word. This is a gift of grace, charismata. This is a very important word to keep in mind. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service. The word here is diakonon the word which we get the word minister or deacon from, 
and the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, and activities is the word energema, which is a word for operation or effect. But the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You see the words gifts, service, and activities are all used here. And that, I think, is important. For years, I had taught that there are a number of gifts, and these fall under the categories of speaking or non-speaking, and that the speaking and non-speaking gifts seem to complement each other in certain ways. And I think 1 Peter 4, 11, that we read earlier, would reaffirm that. But here, in this passage, there is obviously a different categorization that is taking place. Gifts, service, activities. You see, the concept seems to be that there are three different characteristics among the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Motivational gifts, ministry gifts, and manifestation gifts. Now, let's see if we can figure out what those mean. Turn with me to Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, another one of the passages that we find that gives us a list of what we refer to as the spiritual gifts. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see, the, gift, the list there is prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement or exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. And guess what? They are introduced using the same word that we ran into in 1 Corinthians 12, not pneumaticon, but charismata. As there are varieties of gifts of grace, that word is used to introduce this list. I think what we find here is what I have come to understand as the seven motivational gifts that speak to what motivates us to minister to those around us. It answers the question, what motivates you when you minister in the church? Where is your passion? What energizes you? This is where the passion, the motivation comes from for those that are able to continue to work for year after year in the same area. It is those that have come to embrace, yes, this is where God has put me. Here is my gift. Here is my motivational gift. It is what motivates me. It is what energizes me. But we still have more of the passage included in this weighty discussion. Once you know your motivational gift, it is time to move on to find out how God will use you in two other areas, ministry and a manifestation. What do we mean by that? Going back to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, we find this idea played out as we continue through the passage. You see, in chapters or verses 7 through 10, we are given a list 
that we add to the gifts, the spiritual gifts, and there is no problem there. All right, but we find those things, wisdom, knowledge, faith, prophecy, discernment, teaching, helping, administration, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, miracles, all in this chapter, in this verse, these verses. So I think there are numerous ways in which our primary motivational gift are manifest within the church. Now, what do I mean by that? If you look at those verses, how does Paul introduce this passage? Look with me at verse 7. And look at those first few few words that he uses. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You see, this list, I think, is referring to the outcome of living in our motivational gift. You see, our motivational gift will prepare us to minister in specific areas. Within those specific areas of ministry, the Holy Spirit will manifest in various ways as he needs within the church. So what I mean by that is this type of thing. You could be a giver, having the gift of giving, and also show great wisdom in the way that you give. So you are very careful and thoughtful how and to who you give. You could be a leader who manifests the gift through helping. So you are able to lead a group of people who want to get their hands dirty, helping someone who needs it. And you're able to lead that group. You may be an exhorter that shows supernatural faith so that you can tell someone, I believe that God is going to show his power to you, so you need to step out in faith knowing God will provide and lead. And so we're seeing the motivation that drives us, that compels us, played out in the way in which the Holy Spirit uses those gifts in the work of the body. Once we know what gift motivates us, we can begin asking in what way God is going to use that in the church. You see, this is the powerful tool that Jesus Christ gave to his church to accomplish what he has for us to do in this world. What is the reason why Jesus Christ could say, it is better for you that I go away? And then he goes on to say, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Here is what the Holy Spirit is to do in the church. Part of what he's to do. There's much more. As we embrace the gift that we have been given that motivates us to minister, as we begin to look at how God is going to place us in a particular ministry within the church, and as we begin seeing that gift manifesting itself in various ways within that ministry, we will experience a fulfillment, a fruitfulness that we could never have believed possible. So let me give you a personal illustration from my own life as far as how I have seen this playing out over a number of years. 
Going all the way back to high school, I was privileged to grow up in a church. My dad was pastor too, so I know what Brad's going through. Sometimes you just have to grin and bear the fact that dad's up there in front. But my dad was willing to go through this study And so it was in high school that I became convinced that I had the gift of teaching. And it began to be pretty obvious. You see, the whole process of wrestling with a passage of Scripture, working through the process of explaining that passage, of looking how that passage relates to other believers today, was something that I was passionate about, something that came naturally for me. And while I was not and probably am still not a naturally gifted speaker, people began to tell me that I could take a fairly complex subject and make it easier for them to understand or add some new facet of understanding for them. I became more and more comfortable in front of groups of fairly wide-ranging sizes, which amazed me because I hated being in front of people. As a matter of fact, it got to the point where I was more comfortable in front of groups than I was speaking one-on-one with an individual. It's kind of like, this this is just weird. But I always wanted to have well-thought-out notes, outlines in front of me, extemporaneous uh, speaking, worst thing in the history of the world, should be outlawed (laughs) and never used again, in my opinion. You see, I think for years, I would have been a teacher, usually within the ministry of teaching, with, wait for it, this is going to blow your mind, a manifestation of teaching. Lo and behold, those cross all three of the categories. And so I was in small churches where it was a fairly simple need. And so I had people that would say, you know, we appreciate your teaching. Praise the Lord. Only since I've moved to Lincoln and at age 25 plus have gotten involved at Faith Bible Church, I've begun to see that gift of teaching manifest itself in a whole new area. For the first time, I am beginning to see God using the gift of teaching and manifesting that in wisdom to where now I'm a little more comfortable with saying, here is something that I think you need to consider that I think God is saying to you. I would never have used those words early on. But I believe God has brought me to a point where, for whatever reason, my gift of teaching is now being manifest at Faith Bible with the manifestation of wisdom, as we find in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there's a couple of other things. I've got just enough time to cover a little bit of this. For some who have figured out their motivational gift, they are going to look at the ministry, and we'll get into this next week and explore this more deeply. The ministry, and there are several that are given, prophet, teacher, evangelist, or pastor. We're given those later on, and some are called to those positions that are visible, that are 
up in front, as it were. But there's a whole bunch of them that are invisible positions, and they may be as much or more important than those in front. It's those who can work in the background, can minister without a need for a lot of praise and appreciation. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing better at appreciating those who work in the background. But they can do a better job of, of working without the need to be recognized. Chip Ingram in an illustration that he uses in, in his curriculum, is going through each of the seven motivational gifts and he gets to teaching and he's using a quite humorous illustration. And he basically says, yeah, teachers, and he, he would say he has the gift of teaching, so I'm not telling anything on him. He says, yeah, teachers are those that always think they're the most important person in the room anyhow. Um, you know, we need to do better at recognizing those that are the invisible gifts, the gifts of giving, helps, service, and so forth. Well, there's more that we could talk about, and we're, we're out of time. I don't want to keep you. If you want to know, here, you can take pictures of these. Here's the stuff I'm... Okay. All right, that, that doesn't help much at all. As we think of this, as we pull this to a close, there is so much, and I would love to talk with you about this. Uh, if you have some questions, we're meeting right over in the conference room next period, uh, and we're going to take some time to address this issue as we continue in the study that we have going on. But let me close with this statement. As we embrace the pneumaticon, the things of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we pursue the special gift of grace that he has given to each of us that are believers, as we contribute to the unique ministry that he has for us in the church, we will experience fulfillment and fruitfulness in a way that we would not have believed. Why? Here's the key takeaway for today. The church functioning with a proper understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit will experience a power, a freshness, a fruitfulness that is hard to describe. Because it will be a church relying on the awesome, supernatural power of the almighty, omnipotent God of the universe. We need to be there as a church. Now, I want you to be aware of something. Um, a number of years ago, I think it was Pastor Tom, isn't that what we decided, Brad, that came up with this little journal? There's plenty of them back in back, and he's done a wonderful job of explaining this idea. And he does it with a whole bunch of blank pages. That doesn't sound like Tom at all, does it? Um, this is a journal that he begins by explaining the gifts, he goes through, gives an explanation of them, and then leaves the rest of the book for you to fill out. I would encourage you to stop by the welcome desk back and back, pick up one of these, and say, I'm going to go, I'm going to get involved in trying to figure out what my motivational gift is, and once I know what that is, I'm going to find the ministry 
where I'm supposed to be involved in the church, and then I'm going to watch the Holy Spirit work in ways that are nothing short of supernatural. Bow with me in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gifts. Father, I thank you for the fact that we are not expected to do the work of the church in our own power. Father, any time that a church relies on its own power, it will be unsuccessful. Father, we are called to function first and foremost in love. Father, I would pray that if there's anyone here who says, you know, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, so I guess I need to just step back and try to figure that out. Father, help them to realize that if they will simply ask the question, who is God asking me to love today? The rest will take care of itself. Father, we are called to love. And once we are prepared to love, you will give us amazing tools to accomplish the work in the life of the church. So, Father, I would pray that this would be a blessing to those that have been here uh, and that it would begin a study for some that would culminate in a wonder of being involved in the ministry of the church. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.